History, economics, the great works of literature, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution. Did you study these things in school? Probably not. Or even if you did, like I did, maybe it's time for a refresher. Time and technology have changed a lot of things, but they have not changed basic fundamental truths about the world and our place in it as America. That's why I'm so excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subject. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or the history of the ancient Christian church with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, you heard me, for free. You don't get anything free in the Biden economy today. I personally recommend you sign up for the American Citizenship and its Decline. It's with my good friend, the great historian, Victor Davis Hanson. In this eight-lecture course, VDH, as I like to call him, explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. The course is self-paced so that you can start whenever and wherever. So start your free course, American Citizenship and Its Decline, with my good friend, Victor Davis Hanson, today. How do you do that? Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash justnews to start. It's free and it's easy to get started and it's an easy URL to remember. All you got to do, go to hillsdale.edu slash justnews. One more time, hillsdale.edu slash justnews. Hello, America, and happy Tuesday, a busy Tuesday in Washington, D.C. The morning began with a bombshell announcement that Hunter Biden is going to plead guilty to two tax evasion charges, both of them misdemeanors, and is going to face a felony charge of lying to get possession of a gun when he was addicted to drugs, a charge that will be deferred and will go away if he completes two years of probation. That is a significant development. Now, uh, Republicans rightly are calling this a sweetheart deal. It is very light based on the evidence we know the United States government and U.S. Attorney David Weiss had in his possession a few years back. But it is important for another reason. For the first time, there is now irrefutable evidence that all four statements that Joe Biden has made over the course of his 2020 campaign and his presidency since then to earn the trust of the American people, to assure them that there was nothing to the Hunter Biden scandal, all four of them now are irrefutably debunked. They have all been proven to be false. Now, if you go to the Justin News website, you can get all the latest. You can read the charging documents and the criminal information, the two tax evasion charges, the gun charge. You can also read what I think is a very important analysis on the sweetheart deal. And while it is a sweetheart deal, it does debunk so much of what Joe Biden has said over the last uh, many years. And I think that that is something let's just go through for a second and examine some of the statements that have been made over the last couple of years. I I want to remind people how many of these statements are now falsehoods. And I think that that is something really important to consider. And let's start with the statement that Joe Biden made just a few weeks ago, which is a rehash of something he has said many times. He said just a few weeks ago, my son has done nothing wrong. Obviously, today, that has been proven wrong. Pranter Biden is admitting he wants to take accountability for tax evasion. That statement is clearly, clearly wrong. And I think the beginning of that. Now, let's go back and say 
September 21st, 2019, in Iowa, Joe Biden campaigning for the president. I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. Simply not true. Emails have come out showing they did. In South Carolina, in August of 2019, I've never discussed with my son or brother or anyone else having to do anything with their business. Not true. We now know Joe Biden spoke to Devin Archer. He spoke to one of the Breesma executives. He spoke to several other business partners. That is simply not true. In October 2019, uh, when asked about whether he stood by the claims that he had nothing to do with his son's business deals, he says, I stand by that statement. He doubled down. Not true. Since he's become president, he said recently, he had never took any money from China. That's not true that his family got any money from a Chinese energy firm. That's not true, not only based on the documents, but on the bank records that show that $1 million of Chinese energy money went to his family members, including Hunter Biden. And the president, once again, even recently said, that's not true when, in fact, it is true. So what today's legal pleading does, it's a good deal for Hunter Biden. He's probably not going to go and have to go to prison. He'll probably have the felony charge dismissed if he completes probation. He will admit to the tax evasion, and he's going to avoid prison. That's the most important thing to him, right? But it is important to realize that Joe Biden's statements to the American people during his job interview to become president in the 2020 election, and since then, they've all been proven false. And the question is, why would he lie about something? And the answer is, perhaps there will be additional bombshells to come. And that is the point I want to make to you right now. This is some breaking news. You're getting exclusively because you're a John Solomon Reports listener and a Just the News fan. The House Ways and Means Committee, chaired by Chairman Jason Smith, has scheduled a private executive session on Thursday to vote out the testimony and documents of the IRS whistleblower. That is a really significant moment. It means that all the statements that the whistleblower has made to Congress will be available for the American public. This meeting is scheduled for 8 a.m. Thursday, June 22nd. What are we going to learn? This is what my sources tell me we're going to learn. We're going to learn that the statute of limitations on more serious tax evasion charges against Hunter Biden were allowed to expire, protecting Hunter Biden from more serious things like not paying taxes on his brace money. We're going to learn that the IRS agents were unaware the FBI had emails showing Hunter Biden and his team acknowledging he hadn't paid taxes on $400,000 of Burisma Ukraine energy money back going all the way back to 2014. That's a bombshell. We're also going to learn that the IRS agents did not know the FBI had a confidential informant alleging a bribery scheme involving Joe Biden directly. Those are all going to be bombshells, and they're going to raise some very serious questions about the outcome of this case today. Is it a sweetheart deal? I think people will feel even more strongly it is. Many people already saying it today, including lawyers and legal analysts and independent journalists. But it will look even more so when people realize the body of evidence that was available that wasn't pursued in the federal investigations of Hunter Biden, James Biden, and Joe Biden. Now, while that is also going on, it's very important to point out one other element. In one of the letters today, there is a statement by U.S. Attorney Weiss, the man who made the deal with Hunter Biden, that's going to spare him prison time, that the elements of the investigation are ongoing. Now, Hunter Biden's lawyers say he's clear of any other legal jeopardy. But are there other investigations involving the Biden family, either of national security or other matters that are still ongoing 
That is a question that David Weiss answered today. The answer is yes. Now, what are they? We're trying to find out for you. But that is the very latest in the Biden family scandal. Yes, Hunter Biden got a sweetheart deal. Yes, Joe Biden, though, has now been proven to have misled the American people on the four seminal statements he has made about his son and the family business dealings overseas. That is a red flag. Yes, the Ways and Means Committee is proceeding to vote out the secret testimony of the IRS whistleblower. That is a big deal. And of course, yes, uh, there is elements of the Biden family investigation that are still ongoing. Both the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office confirm that in official documents that have been made public now. That is the headlines. All right, now we've got a great show for you today. Senator Ron Johnson, the man who was smeared like me and Miranda Devine and others for pursuing the Hunter Biden allegations a few years ago, they've all turned out to be true. All of our conspiracy theories came out to be true. We knew that from the beginning they were true because they were facts, not conspiracy theories. But he's going to join us for a reaction. He has some harsh words for the outcome of today's case. And then in the second half, we're going to talk to Michael Chamberlain from the Protect the Public's Trust organization. It's a two-year-old organization having a profound effect. It recently filed the complaint that led to White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre to have been found to violate the Hatch Act by making political statements on taxpayers' time. It also has some explosive documents about the teachers' unions and their cozy relationship with the Education Department. We're going to hear from Michael in the second half of the story. So, Ron Johnson, Michael Chamberlain, back-to-back on the show. That is a really good show, and we'll really lean into the breaking news today, the historic news that a presidential son, for the first time, is going to be pleading guilty to crimes while his father was president. That is that is a really significant and important development today. Now, before we go to commercial break, I want to remind each of you that we have incredible partners, advertisers, sponsors that make this show, that make Just the News possible. They sell great products and services. They're there with us, alongside of us, so that we can get the truth out about stories like Hunter Biden once called a conspiracy theory, now completely confirmed and soon resulting in a criminal conviction for Hunter Biden. Well, one of those partners are my good friends at Brick House. They make the Fields of Greens product. And I know it's hard to eat healthy when you're busy like you and I are, right? We're running around all day. We skip lunch. We miss our dinner dates. We're trying to make up food quickly on the run. But whether you're traveling or taking care of the kids or just trying to get through the daily hustle, it can be hard to get the daily recommended amount of vegetables and fruit. And by the way, that is the single most important part of your diet. You get your veggies and fruits, you're healthier, your metabolism is better, you sleep better, and you lose weight like I've been losing weight since January. I've lost about 21 pounds. I'm excited about that. Well, it's really simple way to get your recommended vegetables and fruit without having to compromise your schedule. What is it? You take Field of Greens, like I do. It's a whole organic fruit and vegetable, not a watered-down supplement. And it's backed by a better health promise. Each ingredient in Field of Greens was scientifically chosen to support vital organs like your heart, your lungs, your kidneys, your liver, your immune system, and all these things like your immune system, blood pressure, metabolism, and weight loss are going to improve when you get on the Fields of Green daily doses. It's amazing. I use it all the time now. I love it. 
It really makes you feel like you're eating healthier and you just feel better. Now, I want to get you started on the same plan I'm on. So you'll get 15% off if you visit fieldofgreens.com. That's fieldofgreens.com. All you got to do is use the promo code JUSTNEWS, 15% off. You're going to look and feel healthier once you get started on the Field of Greens powders. I love them. They're all delicious. They all, all you do is mix them into a drink and you're off and running. And soon, in a few weeks, you see the results. Higher energy, better sleep, lower blood pressure, better weight loss. Uh, now, the best proof you'll have to make sure that you know what you're doing with Fields of Green is working is when you go to your checkup the next time to your doctor and he or she says, keep it going. Whatever you're doing, it's working. That's something I want you to hear like I heard from my doctor recently. So to get 15% off, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. You're going to get 15% off your first order. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Ron Johnson right after these messages. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out. Higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friend, who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now, get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code JUSTNEWS15. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. We're going to stay on that breaking news from the top of the show. Joining us right now, a man who has done more to uncover Hunter Biden's and Joe Biden's business uh, shenanigans and the ethical implications of them, the security implications of them for this great country is uh, joining us right now, Senator Ron Johnson from the great state of Wisconsin. Senator, great to have you back on the show. 
Well, John, I'm happy to be back on. You have done more and also endured more unfair attacks than anyone I can think of in the Hunter Biden scandal. You, Senator Grassley, Jim Jordan, all dug in. And at, there was a moment where we were told we were conspiracy theorists to think that Hunter Biden did anything wrong. We were told that Joe Biden never met with his business partners, that the family never got any China money, that Hunter Biden never did anything wrong at all. In fact, the president just said that a few short weeks ago. Again, today seems to put the final nail in the coffin of lies that the American people were fed in 2020. And quite frankly, since then, I want to get your reaction to the plea deal and its implications politically. Obviously, legally, it's a pretty light deal, but politically, it does seem to have some consequence for the Biden family. Well, first of all, you were a pretty significant pin cushion too, <laughs> uh, bearing, bearing the slings and arrows. Yeah, we, we may have got a few. I, I wish I could say I was shocked, but I'm not shocked at all. Not, not surprised, not even slightly. I've been concerned about this. I've actually been predicting that at some point in time, they were going to, you know, do a plea agreement, slap on the wrist, close up shop, steal the records, and thereby deny the American public the truth. Um, my guess is that's kind of the direction we're headed toward. We, we don't know exactly what the plea agreement is going to entail. You know, if they do seal records, which records will be sealed? I thought it's interesting in the announcement from U.S. Attorney Weiss, he mentions the, the investigation is ongoing. Um, but I'm also reading news accounts that uh, the, from the standpoint of Hunter Biden's attorneys, they, they believe this investigation is over. Now, is the U.S. attorney saying that to frustrate Congress's ability to conduct oversight? I mean, we, and you're, you're well, well aware of this, with the John Durham investigation, we were denied all kinds of uh, documents. And this is during the Trump administration when, I'm sure President Trump would have liked to have these documents out there, but we couldn't get them because there's an active investigation, which is always the excuse federal law enforcement uses to deny Congress its oversight uh, responsibilities and you know, d deny our ability to obtain information that we should have access to that the American people ought to know. So I, I'm I'm afraid that's what's going on here. That uh, you know the, the timing is is exquisite. Uh, you finally have uh, Devin Archer being deposed eventually by the by the House. Uh, you know what what's he going to be able to claim? Uh, what's what's going to continue to be swept under the rug? Yeah, that is a big concern. Now, you spent more time than anyone until maybe James Comer recently got back into doing this. The bank records, the laptop, there are references, clear and unambiguous emails that I've published, others have published, that Miranda Devine has published, showing that Hunter Biden knew he hadn't paid taxes on $400,000 of Brisbane money going back to Ukraine and maybe some other foreign payments. Does the plea deal today really capture the essence of the scheme that you helped uncover starting in 2019? Well, it doesn't look like it. I mean, they're talking about, I think, $100,000 of unpaid taxes when uh, doesn't uh, Hunter have a wealthy attorney on the West Coast that uh, ponied up $2 million to pay for back taxes? So, uh, you know, I mean, let's face it, you and I are both aware of the Devin Archer, the, the tribal uh, bond fraud, which uh, there are emails talking about, let's put a little punny in Hunter's pocket. Um, it Certainly, there's evidence or there's indications that the Hunter's potential participation in that was walled off by the prosecutors prosecuting that case. So, you know, who knows how long this protection of Hunter Biden within our federal judiciary 
or justice system has been going on. My guess it probably dates back to that initial investigation of the Indian fraud that Devin Archer was convicted of. Uh, his appeal was, was not uh, allowed, so he should eventually be going to jail. That That's the kind of people that Hunter Biden was uh, conducting business with, a, a convicted felon. Uh, of course, Patrick Ho, the money launderer, the ex-deleted spy chief of China, which is what Hunter, how Hunter described him. Yes. So he gets, he gets a diamond, which is sort of classic pay, payoff in terms of money laundering, right? Um, and now, now we have this allegation from apparently credible source of a $10 million bribery scheme uh, from that same uh, corrupt oil business, uh, Burisma. Um, and all this is coming to a head right as they finally do a plea agreement after a five-year investigation on charges that they've probably known about since the beginning of this investigation. Why did it take five years? Why are they doing entering the plea agreement now? I mean, it's just all, it just all smells. Yeah, it sure does. It does. And we know that this was just scheduled a few short minutes ago. The House Ways and Means Committee on Thursday uh, is going to have an executive session to vote out the testimony of the IRS whistleblower. That IRS whistleblower has told the committee, according to sources we've interviewed, that the statute of limitations on earlier tax evasion, meaning tax evasion before 2017 and 18, which is alleged in this criminal information, but earlier stuff like the Burisma uh, payments, the statute of limitations was allowed to expire, that there was political interference, that Hunter Biden was treated different than other tax defendants, and that the FBI and the IRS were kept from taking normal investigative steps, especially when it came to any issues surrounding Hunter uh, 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 Hunter Biden's dad, Joe Biden, the president. The timing a couple days before getting this off the deck seems like uh, more bad news may be on the horizon for the Biden family, even if Hunter Biden's got a good deal himself on the legal side. Well, it'll all be old news at this point in time. You know, they, they will claim, the mainstream media will claim that, uh, you know, the Justice Department did a thorough investigation, uh, probably couldn't prove those other charges. The, this is what they felt they could prove, and this is how justice carried out in this country. No, unfortunately, in our multi-tiered system of justice, this is how justice is carried out in this country, which is why so very few Americans now have faith in federal law enforcement. I mean, you're seeing the polls. It's, it's sad. I mean, it would be nice if we had complete confidence in these federal agencies and federal law enforcement, but they've given us no reason to have confidence in them. And, uh, it's again, it's, it's just a sad day. Yep, it is. I want to ask a little bit about Joe Biden. At the end of the day, the Amer Americans didn't elect Hunter Biden. They elected Joe Biden. Your investigation clearly laid out the national security implications of these foreign business deals, particularly related to China, but in many, many countries. Joe Biden, while he was being interviewed by the American public as a job interview to become president, made four statements. My family never got any money from China. My son never did anything wrong. That's something he said again just a couple of weeks ago before this deal. He never met with any of Hunter Biden's business partners. And the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation, a lie that was coordinated with 51 intelligence professionals. All four of those statements now are demonstrably false. They have been debunked today being the final one. Hunter Biden is admitting he did do something wrong. Do the American people have a different record to evaluate Joe Biden on for re-election in 2024 than the false record they were given in the fall of 2020? Well, they obviously do. But again, the mainstream media has been covering up for Joe Biden for literally decades. Um, and they'll continue. 
Uh, I mean, let's face it, Joe, Joe Biden was a plagiarist. Uh, that was revealed in one of his earlier presidential campaigns. I mean, this guy is completely untrustworthy. Uh, and unfortunately, Bill, Bill Clinton uh, sort of bra- broke the taboo of lying boldface to the American public, was caught in that lie. And I guess, uh, like I said, that's, uh, that was a taboo-breaking moment. And now, apparently, according to the mainstream media, a uh, guy like President Biden can lie boldface repeatedly to the American public and just never be held accountable for it. So, I mean, I think the American public ought to be outraged. I, you're well aware of the fact that uh, I said that then-candidate Biden was completely unfit to be president of the United States for a host of reasons. I mean, the fact that he would be compromised because of his vast web of foreign financial entanglements because of the lies. We knew we knew he lied. We knew he lied well, well before the presidential race, but the complicit, compliant, and corrupt mainstream legacy media covered up for him, uh, made sure that a guy who campaigned from his basement would win the presidency, be put in this position, be highly compromised, uh, be failing mentally, and still has the, the most important job in all the world. Uh, it ought to concern every American what's happening right now. Yeah, no, it, it sure does. You left an extraordinary roadmap which, roadmap, which clearly Congressman Comer, Congressman Jordan, and the others who are now Chairman Smith uh, at the House Ways and Means Committee, they're all following it. What do you think are the most important unanswered questions that still the American public and Congress can answer over the next uh, few months? I I think we're going to get some cooperation from Devin Archer. We're going to get the testimony of the IRS whistleblowers because there are two of them now that we know have cooperated. What do you think are some of the unanswered questions that we could all benefit knowing answers from? Well, the investigatory steps, uh, it, it literally is tracking down the money. So you know the, the full extent of their grift. Uh, the unanswerable question is, is, you know, to what extent are all these conflicts of interest actually impacting uh, the decisions that President Biden is making, and to what extent is he compromised, and how how has it affected American foreign policy? I mean, that that we'll probably never know. Um, but it, you know, it it really is about tracing the money, and you did a great job of reporting uh, the fact that Joe Biden, once he left office, uh, made something like sixteen million dollars. You know, we all assumed it was from book royalties, but it's never really been uh, verified. I mean, that, that, that'd been a lot of book sales. I can't imagine that many people were interested in reading a book that Joe Biden had ghostwritten for him. Uh, so wh- where did the $16 million come from first? And secondly, where did it go? Because, I mean, that's, that's a huge unanswered question that you raised. I've never gotten an answer for it. You know, $60 million of income, and at most, he claims $3.2 million worth of assets. And I don't think he's that charitable. And we, we know of, you know, one, one charitable donation. I know, I know he also paid off a mortgage on a, you know, piece of property. But, again, it doesn't explain. I think your article said about $9 million is what your expert said. Well, you know, where to go to? So I, I think you need to follow the money. you got to track that down, to, you know, a – unbiased, inquisitive media would be hounding President Biden in terms of, we'll reconcile that. He's, he's 60 million bucks of income. Where'd it go, Joe? Is it in the Caymans or the Bahamas? I mean, where, where have you squirreled this away? Now, and I'm sure Hunter Biden's uh, the mother of, his, of the daughter that Joe Biden won't even acknowledge as a granddaughter. By the way, I saw a recent picture of this just beautiful little girl. I mean, I, I don't know how anybody that knows that you're, 
you know, genetically related. You're, they're literally the grandfather of that beautiful little girl. Wouldn't acknowledge her and just want to go down there and make sure that everything could be done to take care of her. I mean, I, I mean, it just shows shows the depravity of President Biden and the entire Biden family. They're just they're just callous grifters. Yeah. Any doubt in your mind that Joe Biden was in on Hunter Biden's business deals and fixing the policies that Joe, Hunter Biden needed? No, not not in mine. I mean, do I have the hard proof? No, it's it's hard to get proof. Um, well, and you know, this investigations are hard. I mean, people that do wrong, they do everything they can to hide it, to cover it up. You know, and unfortunately, we have federal law enforcement in the media also doing wrong in covering up for the Bidens. And so there's a cover-up of the cover-up. And so this is, again, it's been an arduous path. Uh, this like pulling teeth, we get information, but not, nah, we had more than enough information. Senator Grassley and I, in, in terms of laying out our report and John, you know how incredibly careful we were. I, mean, I wanted to publish that report in June, July, but we had to track it all down. We had to verify it. We had to figure out exactly what we could say about what records we were using. You know, the, the, the records all the while where we were being falsely accused of, you know, disseminating and peddling Russian disinformation. It was disgusting. Um, that, that's the story that needs to be told as well as, you know, the, the FBI's involvement, the media's involvement, Democrat lawmakers' involvement in making those false accusations interfering in our investigation, which has now all been proven true. Yeah. Oh, every part of your investigation has been proven true. They did it on the media, social media, the intelligence and law enforcement, FBI, did it on Russia collusion. Then they did it on Hunter Biden and, and Joe Biden, the laptop. When you were investigating in 2020, did you have any inkling that there had been this informant report sticking around since 2017 that laid out the bribery scheme? No, we, we had no information on that at all because we had no help. We, we had interference on the part of federal law enforcement. But, you know, John, you could go back and really think about this. To this day, I haven't seen a you know, high integrity report showing that the DNC server was actually hacked in by Russians. You know, using that excuse sure did deflect from some pretty nasty uh, emails targeting Democrats, right? I mean, they really deflected that whole story of the DNC hack and those nasty emails by saying, Russia, Russia, Russia. It worked so well that uh, the Hillary Clinton campaign then developed a scheme, and John Brennan reported this because they picked it up through their intel sources to President Obama and Vice President Biden that the Hillary Clinton campaign was going to come up with this scheme, this story that Trump was colluding with Russia. You know, fast forward. You know, you had the complete Russian collusion hoax and the Mueller investigation. Then in 2020, we had Chuck Grassley and I falsely accused for months of boasting, disseminating Russian disinformation. I mean, this is, this is that canard that keeps being used successfully that the media, I, I can't even say buys hook, line, and sinker. They're, they're complicit in this. They're, they're using the same excuse to attack their political opponents. Again, I'm talking about the media now. Republicans are the media's political opponents, as well as were the Democrats' political opponents. But they keep using this Russia interference. You know, like Russia's the, the main boogeyman in all these things, and it's just worked swimmingly well for them. It has. 
There's no doubt about it. And they'll keep trying it until finally there's a consequence, which obviously John Durham didn't give us. And thus far, Prosecutor David Weiss hasn't given us out of Delaware. Last question for you as we as you look out now, there seems to be a healthy debate in Congress about the FBI's powers and using the power of the purse to begin to restrain the FBI from behaviors it's engaged in. And obviously, Russia collusion, making up fake investigations to influence an election is one piece of it. The spying on 278,000 Americans' phone records without justification, another piece of it. And then a lot of other abuses that have fall between those two sort of goalposts of FBI misconduct. Do you think the FBI will have different powers and a different budget in 2024 based on the frustrations you're seeing among your colleagues in the Congress? Well, unfortunately, to pass things uh, through Congress, you need bipartisan support, particularly in the Senate here. So Democrats are just fine and dandy with uh, the current state of affairs because the partisans in these federal agencies are, are leftists. Okay, so they, they favor them. So Democrats have no interest, no curiosity in terms of the corruption. You know, I, I would say unlike, I think, what probably happened during the the church investigations and, and some of the overhaul of the intelligence committee, which, by the way, didn't work, um, obviously didn't work. But, you know, it's, it's these miscarriages of justice. It's this multi-tier system of justice, which justifiably uh, upsets so many of, of Americans today and, and inflames the situation. I mean, w- when you see justice being miscarried, uh, when you see, for example, President Trump being targeted relentlessly tormented by the media, by Democrats, by, by federal law enforcement. And then you see crimes being committed, whether it's by Hillary Clinton, uh, whether it's by Hunter Biden, whether it's by Joe Biden. And it's just ignored. It's all swept under the rug. You know, nothing to see here. And Democrats getting let off the hook repeatedly while Republicans and, you know, people that just showed up to peacefully protest in, on January 6th, you know, hunting down, hunted down like the worst type of terrorist and criminal. Again, I'm, I'm not defending anybody that committed violence. Those people should be prosecuted. But, you know, we've just seen this abuse of power. All the, you know, the largest investigation in FBI history, all focused on one, about, what, two-hour riot versus, let's just ignore 570 riots that resulted in 2,000 law enforcement officials getting injured, a couple billion dollars of property damage. Sweep that under the rug. You know, raise money to provide bail for, for those perpetrators and focus all of our attention on white supremacists and domestic, domestic terrorists, which would be called people who voted for Trump. Uh, some, something has gone terribly wrong in this country, and about half of us recognize it. Our eyes are opened. And again, once again, this, this multi-tier system of justice, this is a danger to our democracy because it inflames The division, which, by the way, the division is being pushed and being exacerbated from the left. It is the left that continues to accuse falsely Republicans of hating different people, different groups. This is not true. But they use that technique to get those groups to hate Republicans and create the division that we're that's really tearing this nation apart. It's not coming from the right. That division, the exacerbating of our divide is coming from 
the left. Yeah, such a very important development in American history. Our generation or generations ahead of us will look back at this moment and realize how consequential it's been. I think they'll realize another thing too, Senator. I've said this often, but it needs to be repeated because the media who smeared you when you were right never went back and said, we got it wrong. They just moved on and left that false narrative out there. But you were right about everything you did and the issues you were highlighting were issues that really matter to American integrity. And I, I want to just make sure our listeners understand all of the bluster aside in the mainstream media two, three years ago, you had it right and you were asking the right questions. And I think our country is grateful for that. Well, listen, I appreciate you saying that, but John, you also have to be given so much credit. I mean, there aren't very many investigative journalists today at all, and you are the best. And you continue to uncover these things, you know, dating back to, you know, Anthony Fauci, you know, pushing drugs into foster children. I mean, time and time again, I mean, what, what you've done as an investigative journalist, again, focusing on the important issues, not letting the, all the noise get in the way, but, but digging up the truth that the American people are hungering for and that this country needs. So, I, again, my hat off to you. I, I've got nothing but the deepest respect and appreciation for all the work you've done. I appreciate that. My first boss in journalism, I was a 17-year-old young reporter, and he said, I'm going to tell you one lesson, kid, never forget it. You're only as good as your next story, so get back to work. And that's always stuck with me. So I guess we have some more truth to tell, sir. (laughs) Get get back to work. Get back to work, honestly. (laughs) Well, sir, it's an honor to have you on. Thanks for your reaction to today's events. Very big moment, and we'll be watching the rest of this week. I have a funny feeling a few more surprises are on board for the later in the part of this week. Thanks again. Have a great day. You too, sir. All right, folks. Don't go anywhere. Michael Chamberlain from Protect the Public's Trust up next right after these commercial messages. Hey, folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews and extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning, and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly, I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down. 
and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money-back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order, plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick house nutrition and of course field of greens all you got to do to take advantage of this offer visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code just news that's promo code just news at fieldofgreens.com don't wait go to fieldofgreens.com today use the promo code just news for 15 percent off all right folks welcome back from the commercial break i know when you read the just the news website often you'll see some great work by an organization called Protect the Public Trust. They are really holding the permanent administrative state in Washington and political appointees, their feet to the fire to make sure that they're obeying the law, obeying it, following the ethics rules, and also serving the Americans' interests, the public's trust, rather than their own. Well, if you're impressed by their work, you're going to be impressed by our next guest because he is the man who found it and runs Protect the Public Trust. He's our good friend, Michael Chamberlain. Michael, welcome back to the show. Great to be back, John. Thanks for having me. There's so many places to go. We love having you on. And of course, there, there's been the Hatch Act finding against Karine Jean-Pierre. I want to talk a little bit about the education department and some of the clear influence that teachers unions are exerting over public policy there. But before we start with that, I'd like to dive into the announcement just a few short hours ago that Hunter Biden uh, has agreed to plead guilty to two tax evasion charges. He's going to be charged with a third charge of felony about illegal possession of a gun as a drug addict. But I want to ask you to focus on for a second the implication, not for Hunter Biden, because that's obvious now, but for his father, who repeatedly told us the Hunter Biden laptop was disinformation, who repeatedly said he never met with Hunter Biden's business partners when he did. Uh, and of course, the laptop wasn't disinformation. And who repeatedly said, even just a few short weeks ago, that his son never did anything wrong. Now his own son is admitting his father is wrong. The credibility of Joe Biden appears to be on the line in this court case, not just Hunter Biden's failings. What do you think? Well, trust in government is is very important, John. And as you know, that the, the trust in our in our government is is at an all time low, and a lot of that can be traced back to the credibility that uh, elected officials and and our <clears throat> our powerful officials in Washington D.C. have, and and every chink in the armor of their credibility just adds to that the 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 lack of trust or just. D- reduces the amount of trust that people have in the government. And if you have people that in, in powerful offices and they, they make appearances and what they, what they tell you is, is provably not true and obviously not true, that, that just kind of chips away at, at the ever declining trust of the American public in their government. And, and this certainly can't help that, John. There's no doubt. And there's so many people, the reporters like Miranda Devine and myself, who were called conspiracy theorists back in 19 and 20 when we first dug into this. Ron Johnson and Chuck Grassley smeared for a long time. But all of them turned out to be right. And it's the Biden family, the Joe Biden himself and Joe Biden's political stooges that now 
have been exposed to have not told us the truth and have lied about what really was going on in the Biden family racket. And I think that you're right. The public's trust is eroded when you find out, you know, the highest person in the land was giving us a bogus story on so many of the different aspects of his family's business dealings. Another thing that erodes trust all the time is when we see special interest having influence over what should be independent federal policy. Protect the Public Trust has done some extraordinary work, and you particularly, at looking at the American Federation of Teachers and the National Education Association, the two largest teachers union in America, and the undue influence that they have on the Education Department Secretary Cardona. Tell us a little bit about what you've dug up and what the pattern is now that we have documents and testimony that shows what's going on. Well, we've we've dug up extensive coordination uh, between the the powerful the the two main teachers unions and high level officials in the the Department of Education. Almost daily conversations. Plus, the each of those organizations, their president had a standing monthly check in call with Secretary Cardona, and each of those organizations, their lobbyist had a standing uh, weekly call with one of the uh, uh, deputy assistant secretaries in the department, one of the, the high-ranking officials. And a lot of this was going on at the same time when the department completely botched an attempt to set up a parents' advisory group. So while they were, they were communicating and coordinating on an almost daily basis with the unions, uh, they, they just could not figure out how to even co- communicate with the parents. And this was at a time when... The, the parents were protesting at school board meetings when they were just were working to try to get their kids back in school to understand what was happening in the schools. And the, the teachers unions had a direct line to the highest levels in the department and parents had essentially no voice in the department. And, and it was to such an extent that I don't know if you remember back in the summer of 2020 that the United Teachers of Los Angeles, they issued their demands for coming back to the classroom. And among those were uh, defunding the police, Medicare for all, and closing down all the charter schools. Well, they received, the UTLA received a personal Zoom meeting with Secretary Cardona. Uh, I'm just wondering, and, and none of the parents that I've talked to during in in the time since the the groups that they were part of had an opportunity to to have a direct meeting with with the secretary Uh, so there was certainly disparate treatment and and their influence was everywhere it was in covid policy it was returned to schools it it was all over the place whatever issue the department was involved in the unions had uh, the the largest and it appears to be one of the largest voices of input Yeah, it's kind of crazy because obviously during this whole period when this was going on, we were told, trust the science, trust the science. And you see that the CDC and others clearly were seeing that the science validated that kids could come back to school, that the risks were low compared to older adults. And yet the unions constantly seemed to have a political sway that pulled the debate away from science and back towards the union's wishes. How troubling is that? And how do we fix that so that in future pandemics or other crises, it's science and facts rather than political donors' wishes that prevail in these very important policy debates? Well, this is a tough one, John, because, you know, we talked about trust earlier in the conversation. And the, the public health officials' trust is their most 
valuable asset. And when they begin to lose trust and the, the public begins to lose trust in them, then it becomes very hard and very difficult for them to do their jobs. And this trust was squandered during the COVID area. And, it, and certainly around schools and some of the other policies, the, the lockdown policies, um, the, the vaccine policies, uh, people just, it, there was a reliance, it appears, on, on the political rather than the science. And we've, we've submitted uh, several scientific integrity complaints uh, against HHS and its component agencies uh, over policies that they enacted in which they just they disregarded the science. In some cases, they disregarded their own science, their own studies that they did. They misrepresented the, the outcomes of studies because they didn't fit the, the policies that they were willing to pursue. And in some cases, they even hid some of the, the information that they found because they thought they determined that if people knew about this, they might be skeptical of the vaccines and may not take the vaccine. So they hid some of the, uh, it, it was all around. And, and it's gotten to the point that less than half of the people in a recent poll, less than 50% of Americans trust the CDC on COVID policy, on COVID. Uh, that is dangerous for the next health emergency that we have. Yeah, such a great point. And people figured out what you helped document, which is political organizations and politics were having a greater sway over scientific decisions than the science agency. And I think that that's really remarkable. I want to read you some numbers. This comes from Open Secrets, which is Center for Responsive Politics, one of the premier experts in analyzing political donations. This was just in the election cycle that ended last November. The National Education Association gave $23 million, all of it to Democrats or liberal organizations. The NEA Advocacy Fund gave $16 million, all to liberal organizations. The American Federation of Teachers gave $13.7 million, all to Democrats and liberal organizations. So you've got well over 60, uh, let me do the math here, 33, so well over $50 million in political donations from unions in a single election cycle, all to one party. Now, I'm going to put a pin in that and let people think about that for a second. I'm going to ask you, how often are the teachers unions getting direct access to Biden's education secretary? Oh, it, it seems pretty much as whenever they wanted it, to, to be honest. From the documents that, that we've seen, uh, like, I, as I said, they, they had a, a monthly check-in call. Each of the unions had a separate call with Secretary Cardona. Uh, but also there were other communications between them on an ad hoc basis whenever they, they it appears whenever they wanted to get the ear of the secretary, they were able to do so. And even when, when the, the presidents of the unions weren't speaking with the secretary of education, uh, their subordinates and their lobbyists were having almost constant, almost daily conversations with the deputy assistant secretary in the department, which is just a couple steps away from the secretary. So uh, it was, they had access that, it, that uh, from my time in the Department of Education is, is unprecedented to, with, from any group. I, I can't imagine any, any organization having that level of access to the secretary of education. Yeah, really important to remind people, you work there, you know how it works and you know how politics can often um, uh, distort things if, if, 
decisions aren't made in the best sense of, of children based on facts and science, and they're made instead for political payback. It, it just corrupts an entire department. There's a lot of conservatives today that seem to be rallying around the notion that the Department of Education could be eliminated and send the majority of the funding to states, let states which decide local education policy have the money, and get rid of the bureaucracy. Does that have some momentum, you think, given all that's been learned about the education department in the last couple of years? Well, certainly that's been a debate that's been going on, not just amongst conservatives, but amongst other people for, for some time, really. And, and you know, there were, there were some who, who believe that, like you said, the, the money should just be given to the local, the, the local school districts and, and let them uh, spend it and, and without the, the heavy hand of, of the government putting their thumb on the scales and, and local, local decisions. Uh, and, you know, honestly, the, it, you know, COVID kind of changed everything and all the money that the government threw out there at, at all of these uh, entities, uh, especially government entities. But prior to, to that, federal funding was only about eight or nine percent of the total funding that schools got. The, the vast majority came from the local and state and the the local and, and states the, and the school boards, and they had the, the vast majority. That, that's where the power was supposed to be. However, the, the federal government, and this is something that, that people that I worked with at, at the department would say that, you know, they, they've got a lot of influence for that eight or nine percent. They, they, for eight or nine percent, they uh, essentially wanted the, the controlling interest. So that, that was kind of one of the, one of the, the arguments that some people ha- had made about the, the impact of the of federal influence in, in the schools and the Department of Education's influence in the schools. But that's been a debate that's gone on for a while. And there are a lot of people that think that the, the decisions should be, and even people that, that aren't in favor of abolishing the Department of Education, but they are clearly in, in favor of maintaining the the decisions at the local level, so at the school board level and at the the state level, uh, because those are the people closest to the students, and they're in the best position to make the best decisions for the students, and and that and uh, that's a pretty widespread, even like I say, even among people who would like to maintain the Department of Education, uh, they still believe that the decisions need to be made at the closest point to the students. Yeah, uh, that's exactly the key, right? And I think that's what we're learning more about as we see these incredible documents that you have helped get into the public realm. In fact, what's the easiest way for people to read these documents? You've made them available on your website, right? Uh, yes, we've, we've made them uh, available and uh, we've, we've had some uh, press releases on our site and that, that have the, the documents that contain the documents that uh, have the information and show the conversations between the education officials and the, the unions. And so those conversations are out there. There was uh, the, a news outlet called the, the Center Square uh, that also and and also just the news reported on on these documents and the findings that that we had about the the massive level of coordination between the the teachers unions and the the highest levels of the Department of Education. Yeah, really pretty remarkable. I want to ask about something because when you look at 
some of the contacts that you've made the public now, there uh, is some really interesting topics that come up in there. And I think this is with the acting deputy assistant secretary, a guy named Garabay, if I remember correctly, right? And they're setting up a Zoom call, and I think it's with United Teachers of Los Angeles, which is the local thing. There's a lot of discussion focused on things like defunding police, shutting down charter schools, Medicare for all. There seems to be these unions have become clearinghouses for liberal agenda, even when they don't have anything really to do with education. How much of that did you see in these kind of communications? Well, what we saw in in these kind of communications is the, the union influence in uh, every aspect of the the decisions that that were made at at the department. Um, it was they were involved in uh, school reopening policy and COVID policy, uh, even in higher education policy, especially as it related to student loan repayment and and student loan forgiveness. Uh, Virtually every policy that came out of of the department, there was some sort of communication between the teachers unions and the highest levels of the department. And they there were letters sent. There was there was influence by the unions in in those decisions. And as I say, it was almost daily conversations between the the unions and. You know, we we termed it concierge level service for the unions, uh, but at the same time, there was uh, at the same time that the unions were receiving concierge level service, uh, the parents really didn't have a seat at the table, and it's that's the strange part. In fact, it seems like the parents are sometimes the enemy, right? As I, we know that the school board association pressed the education DOJ to go after parents at, at these school board meetings, but it seems like the parents are the odd, odd man, odd woman out in what should be a debate about their children. What's going on with that? Is there a philosophy that the government and the unions have more say over children than maybe their parents? I'm not sure where the, where that originated from, but I think there's, there's uh certainly a philosophy in, in some, in some areas that, uh, that are, are not as receptive to the input of, of parents as in others. Uh, as a parent myself, I, you know, we, we, uh, during COVID, we had a, a high school student. And so we were, uh, our family was greatly attuned to, to what was happening and the decisions that were being made and and we could see we had firsthand experience and and very close experience with with some of the the factors that were going on and some of the the effects that these were having that the the school closures were having on the students and there were a lot of parents that that uh, were very passionate about what was happening and and you know there were there were some of them many of them that that didn't feel that they were getting the the input or on the the school policy that they would have liked to have had and so there there is in 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 some areas uh it, it's it it appears that some some people aren't uh as receptive to the voices of parents as as certainly a lot of the parents are yeah, it's that's a, I think that's a dynamic we're beginning to appreciate in America, whether you're liberal or Republican or conservative or independent. 
Uh, parents have always been at the center of their education decisions for their children. And it seems like there are some trend lines, not in every place, but there are trend lines that seem to be pushing parents out of that conversation or marginalizing them on certain things. Certainly there are some laws out West now that will allow a child to seek medical attention without their parents' permission if it comes to an abortion or transgender transition. And I think we're, we're going to learn a lot more about how widespread that philosophy is over the next several months. I want to pivot for a second beyond the great work you've done with the teachers' unions and their influence over the education department and look at one of the many places in accountability that your organization has brought. And that is in the unlawful practice of politics while using taxpayer funds and taxpayer time. A major ruling against the White House press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, that she violated the Hatch Act. Tell us about that and many of the other ones where you've brought political accountability in the last few months to Biden appointees who are skirting these ethics rules that are so important to the trust that we talked about. Well, back in November, John, just before the, the midterm elections, uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre uh, got up in front of the, 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 the White House press briefing <coughs> and referred to certain political candidates as mega MAGA Republicans and uh, claimed that they don't believe in the rule of law, among other derogatory statements about them. And that kind of that caught our eye as close to the election as it was for her to to speak about uh, a, a defined set of partisan political candidates and uh, you know the, the president and the vice president are immune from are not subject to the hatch act but the press secretary certainly is and past press secretaries including Corinne jean-pierre's former boss jen saki were uh, at have been caught in violation of the hatch act for uh, injecting politics into their uh, official duties so we filed the next day after that that uh, press briefing, we filed a Hatch Act complaint against Corinne Jean-Pierre for the comments that she made. Uh, recently, uh, about a week ago or so, the, the Office of Special Counsel who oversees the, the, the Hatch Act enforcement, they sent us a letter that said that they had determined that she had, in fact, you, uh, violated the Hatch Act for the timing frequency, timing frequency and content of her references to MAGA Republicans. So it wasn't just the fact that she used the term MAGA or MAGA Republicans that constituted, it was the context in which she said it that constituted the violation. However, at the same time, they also said that they were going to close the matter and without taking any action. But however, they had, they had informed Ms. Jean-Pierre that if she did it again, if she repeated the violation, it would be considered willful and knowing. And so um, we uh, we the, that got some some media attention. The fact that she was found in violation of of the Hatch Act, as well it should. The, uh, a high level official uh, violating the law in, in this sense is uh, we we think that it's it's something worth noting. And so. Uh, the the next day, she was confronted with several questions from the press corps during the next briefing about the being found in violation of the Hatch Act, uh, and she kind of used it. She referred to the the violation as as uh, retroactive, as if OSC had 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 held her to a standard that didn't exist at the time that she made the comment, 
And as it turns out, the same day that, that they'd sent the letter to us informing PPT that she had violated the Hatch Act, uh, they also, OSC also sent a guidance letter to all of the federal agencies and the White House informing them that they were going to consider the use of the term MAGA as a campaign slogan. And so that would prevent officials from using it in their uh, official communications. It would be considered political activity by using the term MAGA. Uh, it also, they also put finish the job, which is the Biden campaign slogan, into that category as well. So the use of that slogan would be, is, is considered a political activity when used by uh, employees of the executive branch or employees of federal agencies. So when she referred to the, the retroactive, what we took that to mean is that um, she was being held to a standard that didn't exist at that time and just her use of MAGA would, in, in the November press briefing, was the reason of the vi that she was found in violation. But in fact, it was the use of that term and speaking about those candidates that she is determined to be mega, mega Republicans. And in the context of the derogatory statements that she made, which were clearly in our eyes designed to sway voters away from voting for those candidates. And then even after receiving the, the guidance from OSC, stating that the use of MAGA would be considered political activity, the very next day, she and her subordinate, the Deputy Press Secretary, Andrew Bates, both sent out statements uh, with repeated use of MAGA in the statements. And so to us, that was just thumbing their nose or sticking the, a finger in the eye of OSC uh, seemed to be a, a direct repudiation of the guidance that OSC had sent out just a couple days before informing them that this would be considered political activity. And they went about it in, uh, directly uh, against the, the OSC guidance. So we followed that up with another complaint the next day uh, against uh, Ms. Jean-Pierre and Mr. Bates for their use of the term that OSC had determined was political activity. So that, camp that complaint is outstanding right now. Important stuff you're doing almost on a daily basis. It's really remarkable what's going on and the value that PPT has brought to the debate about ethics in such a short period of time. A lot of these things would have gone unchallenged and the ethics rules would have been further cast aside if it weren't for the extraordinary work that you guys are doing. If someone's listening today, Michael, they want to get involved with what you're doing, what's the best way to engage, get signed up, get involved, support uh, the great work that your organization has uh, unleashed on Washington? Well, uh, if you go to our website, protectpublicstrust.org, and on our contact page, you, there's a sign up to get our, our emails. And John, you're familiar with our emails. We send our press releases through there. We send updates about the work that we're doing uh, through those. So that's a good way to keep up with what we're doing. You can also follow us on Twitter at Publix Trust. Uh, and we, we frequently put up updates about the activity that, that we're engaged in and, and following along with ethics in the government through that avenue as well. Really, really important stuff. Really great stuff. 
Michael, we always enjoy the work. We I read you every day. Every day I go and check. I have bookmark. It's one of the top 10 things I check every day in my news reporting. And it's just such a great public contribution, what you've created in such a short period of time. Protect the public trust, folks. What a great organization to make a difference in Washington and across this country. We'll get you back on real soon. Thank you very much, John. It's always a pleasure to be here. And we, we appreciate the you having us and uh, following along. Yeah, we, we enjoy it every day. Great news every day. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> folks, if you get your wallet stolen or your cell phone or your car, we know what it is. It's old-fashioned theft. It's crime. We know it. Criminals now have a new way to steal our most valuable asset, our homes. Older Americans are most vulnerable to these types of thefts, and that's because they more often own their homes outright. An 88-year-old Florida woman recently discovered that scammers forged her signature, created a fake deed to her home, and then took her property. Those who buy a property from a deed theft scammer often become victims as well. What can you do to protect yourself? It's simple. My good friends at Home Title Lock provide the premier detection technology to protect your home and its title. The instant they detect an activity or something suspicious, they mobilize to help shut it down. We won't know a thief took us off our title until it's too late. That's why Title Lock jumps into action right away. The titles to all our homes are easily found online. A criminal or renter, even a family member, can simply forge your signature on a home sale form. Then he or she refiles as the new owner and bam, your home is not in your name and all of a sudden debts are being taken out against it. That's why Home Title Lock is my choice. Find out for free when you use my code JUSTNEWS at sign up. You'll get a free comprehensive scan of your home's title and 30 days of legendary home title lock protection free. So go to hometitlelock.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS at hometitlelock.com. Go there today. Folks, Factors delicious ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, plus veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutritional-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. If you're like me and have a busy schedule that the last thing you want to worry about is what to eat or having to go to the grocery store, Factor makes it easy. As they are flexible to your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, usually in just two minutes. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash justnews50 and use the promo code justnews50 to get 50% off. That's the code justnews50 at factormeals.com. One more time, factormeals.com slash justnews50. Use the justnews50 code and you will get 50% off your first order. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Report. Stay tuned to Just the News. We're going to have a lot more breaking news on Hunter Biden over the next several days. All very important developments on the case, on the ethics involved in it, in the security issues. And of course, the IRS whistleblower, we think his testimony could be public as soon as Thursday or Friday of this week. That's all really important developments. And also remember, you can get started on the field of greens, vegetable and fruit products. They are amazing. 
All you do is mix them in water and all of a sudden you're eating as healthy as a full salad and a, a dose of fruit. I think that's a great way to do it. If you want to take advantage of that and start losing weight and feeling better like I have been doing the last few months, go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. Go to fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. It's going to get you 15% off your first order. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. We'll be back tomorrow with more regular programming and some more scoopy reporting. We've got some surprises up our sleeve for tomorrow's show. All right. God bless. Have a great day. And God bless this extraordinary country of the United States, as he always has. You know what? You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out. Higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friend, who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now.